So hi everyone and welcome to a rather special episode of Strength in the Numbers. Uh, not only because we're actually recording this one over the video, but also because we've got two guests today. So how did this come about? Well, Chris Argent, who was a previous guest mentor, where we talked together about transforming the future of finance to remain relevant, reached out to us after he heard another podcast by Lance Rubin, where Lance and myself was talking about leveraging financial modeling. And one of the conversation topics was, well, maybe we should have a podcast on whether Excel is dead or alive. So Chris had this fantastic idea. Well, rather than have a podcast on it, why don't we just debate the issue, take a position either side, and let's just trash it out over a few rounds. So Chris, given that uh, it was your suggestion, is Excel dead or alive, Lance versus Chris, how about you kick off the bout with the, your opening statement? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So my opening statement um, is, you know, look at the reasons why people are debating this. Um, I, I'm not in the dark on this. I understand that 90% of CFOs are still using Excel, but Excel started in 1985. Um, 1985 was a very long time ago. I currently work for Vodafone. And that was the year that the very first UK mobile call was made. And at that time, uh, I think the phone weighed four kilos. Um, I think this is obviously pre-internet. It was about £4,000 to buy. Um, and, you know, fast forward to today where we have, you know, smartphones and everything that we can do and practically addicted to our smartphones. So, you know, in terms of sort of development, um, Excel has sort of dragged its feet. It's stuck in the past. And I'd go as far as to say that it's actually anti-analytics and anti-finance advancement because it's keeping us with a tool that isn't necessarily fit for purpose now. And, and Hans, what's your thoughts? I think, you know, um, the key thing here about Excel is um, really the ability to communicate um, with a platform that everyone speaks, um, you know, Chris mentioned 90% of people CFO still use it. You know, it's still as much as we want to bag it, it's still one of the most um, intuitive, um, easy to use tools around communicating numbers. One of the big things which many people forget is that the, all the major stock exchanges use it to make really serious decisions around buying, selling, listing IPOs, infrastructure modeling and building bridges and roads would not exist without Excel. So the ability to actually forecast and model um, future projections is just not possible in any other system in the planet. So if you want to get rid of those things, you know, we can say goodbye to new roads because there isn't a system on, on the earth that we can build a toll road or an infrastructure model on but Excel. Um, Yes, there's some improvements and, and there's some things that are holding it back, but it's no way from, from, from being dead. And um, fundamentally, I think there's going to be a more deeper concentration on the skill set on how to use Excel better. I don't think Excel is the problem. I think it's the user that's the problem. Everyone blames Excel. Um, you know, we drive cars. People die in cars. Should we stop driving cars because people um, die in a car? No, we still drive cars today. Um, you know, we all talk English, um, you know, we communicate in that, in that way. Yes, there's a better way to communicate, but, you know, we still go back to what we, we're human, we, we naturally feel comfortable with. So 
whilst there can be improvements, I just don't think it's anywhere close from being dead, not by a long way. So, so Lance, you highlight one of the biggest issues that I have with Excel, which is that, that people are the problem. Um, so we've got, you know, people using Excel, um, uh, producing insight, producing forecasts that's potentially riddled with errors. Um, you know, how, how do we make sure that, you know, we're not churning out analysis that's misleading, wrong, and people are making the wrong decisions? You know, that in my world is an analytical world. It's, a, it's an advancement away from Excel. It's not trying to fix the limitations of Excel. Yeah, that's, the, that's great. Because I think the, the point, and you rightly make it, it's, it's errors that are created by humans, right? Um, and until we evolve in how we use that better. So, so one of the things that, that, that I do is, um, and, and there's software that does it. Again, I'm not saying you know, um, that there isn't additional software that can help that is embedded within Excel as in add-ins, but there actually there's software that can detect errors. There's actually a statistic out there. Um, so you spot on, 90% of spreadsheets, if not more, have errors. But the worst statistic is the fact that 90% of people think their spreadsheets are error-free. So I think there's this massive disconnect between reality and perception. Again, it's not the Excel, it's the user. So there is ways and there's infrastructure and there's processes and controls, just like you have with any other system. People don't put systems in to manage Excel. And so I think we need to manage Excel better. It's not a matter of getting rid of it. It's a matter of managing it better. And I think also defining what we use Excel for and what we don't use Excel for. But I think ultimately it's, the key thing is that the tool itself is phenomenal. Like there is no tool like it on, on the earth, but it's badly used. And, and, and you're right. So I'm, I'm not going to disagree with the people being the problem. It's not the software that's the problem. Okay. But if I use an, an analogy, because <laughs> I, you know, like Go for keep, it. These, <laughs> keep these things light. Um, you know, I, I love music. I have always loved music. And back in the day, I collected vinyl. Heavy metal? <laughs> no, no, no. I was much more soulful. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and um, I, I took the brave step uh, a couple of months ago when we moved house to get rid of all of my vinyl. Why did I do this? Because I don't need it anymore. Now, I was nostalgic, I was sentimental, I could almost talk myself into it being a better sound based on all of the articles that I'd read. But fundamentally, you know, ease of use, having everything on my phone, um, plugging it into a Sonos speaker or a Wi-Fi speaker, it gave me access to everything. And, you know, the way I see Excel, maybe rightly or wrongly, is it's, it's a lovely transistor radio that we had in the 80s now we can plug in an amp and we can plug in wonderful speakers and we can get a decent sound and we can even change the radio station but there's something else out there now and people aren't looking to buy all of that and build out all they're looking to simply buy a smartphone and listen to whatever they want whenever they want i think the analogy is flawed um, and I'll tell you why, because um, you, you cannot change the vinyl. It's always a vinyl. Um, it's still, um, you cannot change the transistor radio internally. It's a transistor radio. It's, it's not dynamic. You cannot change it um, unless you want to go and hire an engineer to change your transistor radio. You cannot. With Excel, 
you can build anything. It, it has a backend programming VBA language, ideally not to be touched by people that are not, not experienced, but there is nothing you cannot do in Excel. Um, I've built a snakes and ladders game on Excel. Um, it, I had to do it for the model of uh, competition and um, you know, sub submitted it as a, as, as a solution. There's, there, there are things that people don't even know what they're sitting on. So it's not like you're sitting on this vinyl that is decaying. You're actually sitting on or plutonium or whatever you want to call it. or, or you know, you, You're sitting on something that's a lot more valuable um, and dangerous at the same time, but extremely powerful that people don't know about. So most people know how to copy and paste in Excel, maybe use pivot tables, and that's about it. Very few people know that the you know, functions like goal seek and Monte Carlo simulation and you know, a whole range of things that are sitting on our doorstep that we haven't even opened yet. So, so, so the vinyl, you know, is really you know, the aspects of Excel, which I agree with, agree with you, should be turfed out. But it's not just one dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. So we can't really chuck out the baby with the bathwater when we've actually got a lot more deeper capability that people haven't even explored or are aware of. Chris, do you think that's fair to say we're setting up plutonium and we just don't know how to explore it yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I firmly believe in finance, um, the future of finance being analytics. Um, and I'm on a bit of a mission to turn, you know, functions like FP&A from financial planning and analytics to, you know, financial predictions and analytics. Um, I think that what sticking with Excel does is it, is it blocks a mindset change that's needed in finance. Um, you know, under the new world of analytics and rather knocking, you know, Excel, why don't I talk about the benefits of, of analytics, you know, the amount of data that's out there in the world that can be used by finance teams now is, is vast. I'm not going to call it big data because I think in reality, when you strip out sensor data and um, a lot of customer related data, you, big data is still, um, business data is still fairly small and manageable. There's a lot of tools out there that can really empower a finance team for reporting and data visualization, um, for better planning. You know, we're talking about machine learning and even sort of overlaying AI to focus on some of these predictions that we're getting from data now. Um, really strong, better tools uh, that are building in new functionality around sort of sharing of spaces, collaboration, you know, helping people communicate because away from the technology and I think we something that we would both agree on Lance it, it, we have to develop our people skills um, you know we can sit behind this technology for good or for bad but the real change in us is a mindset change it's about getting up and going to talk to the business understanding what the business problems are so you can even start constructing something whether it in Excel or whether it's in a you know a data visualization tool or something else so f for me if we're sticking with Excel it's simply hampering our own advancement it's maybe showing a lack of ambition um, and it's certainly not engaging with these analytic principles that are revolutionizing disrupting our workplace at the moment 
So Chris, answer this question. I have a business that doesn't have a lot of data um, because it's starting a new product. It's about to acquire a new business that doesn't have a lot of data. Um, and frankly, the data on um, R&D for, for, for this third product um, doesn't exist either. What do I do? So you, you, you're preaching a, a data analytics world for FP&A when in some cases there is no data. Um, you know, there, there is no history, there's no trend. Um, you know, how, how do I make a decision as a CFO if I don't have all this data at my fingertips? And there'll be many examples, I've just mentioned a few, whether it's a new product or a new division or a new location or a new country that just doesn't have the data that we need to even drive any analytics. I love that question. I love that question for so, so many different reasons. Okay, first of all, again, we're talking about the tools today, but the future actually is about data. It's not about the tools. The tools are gonna change. Um, people's behavior is gonna change as well as we have to engage with you know, the business and data. It's all about data. Now, the approach that you take with analytics, if you don't have enough data, if you're data poor, you have to do some kind of A-B testing. You have to basically trial and error it. Now, you could argue... So make it up? Not, not make it up, no. You're, let's, let's keep you're the country don't, don't, don't put words into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm also not saying you, know, you can use uh, Excel for this. You, 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 you have a, uh, you know, uh, analytics and the teams that I've worked in, you know, for the last sort of eight years, okay, they're all been, been within big companies, you know, Vodafone, BAT, Amazon, but they're, they're all startups. So I completely understand what you're talking about. We, we're not looking to the market for funding. We're looking to persuade somebody internally of the value of analytics, go get budget and then improve our worth. Now we're in exactly the same position that you talk about and what we've had to do is say look here's a very very strong view that we have about analytics but it's weakly held now you can kick me up about not having enough data and not having enough you know proof um, because you haven't started yet but that's like kicking a child because they can't walk what we do is we a b test so we say right here's the the hypothesis we go and prove something out and then we do it again and again and again and we strengthen our position and we grow the data and data you know, life cycle could take years to grow. So I, I understand your point, but there is still a process that we could follow um, and the, the tool in a way is, is irrelevant. But, but, but you have to feed the data into something. You're building an analytics thing that slices and dices the data. So um, I, I'm still struggling with this A-B, you know, testing thing, walk, you know, child beating um, scenario you're giving. <laughs> uh, okay. So <clears throat> to, to use your example, you know, we, um, we're bringing in a new product and we don't have much data. So what do we want to find out about that product, you know, likely to sell more or less than a product that we already know about in the market? We would do some research around that. It's a sort of, it's a, it's a desktop analysis at that stage. And um, where do you do the desktop analysis? In Excel? You, you could do it uh, on a blackboard 
it, the tool isn't relevant. <laughs> yeah but so, it is this whole discussions about excel it is relevant but, but I, I'm trying why to would say, you do your 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 so you I, could I, you could you could do it in excel and its ubiquity means that people would potentially do it in excel Okay, but what but what I'm saying Fantastic. is as soon as, soon as you get to a data rich point, which is going to happen pretty quickly, uh, you do not want to be using Excel. I, I look to, to be honest, I can kind of agree with you there because I think, you know, you get to too much data and Excel does fall over. But I think that, you know, that, that, that niche, um, you know, sandbox, sand pit space, of um, modeling the data and, and, and kind of shaping the data and shaping the ideas and shaping the concepts um, is, is still valuable. And, and, and um, I'm sorry, if you want to go back to a whiteboard, then, <laughs> then you know, or blackboard, we're, we're, we're going backwards. Um, forget the vinyls, you, you know, you're going back to, to tape. Okay, so, where, where, where I can, so let's try and look at where we agree, okay? So I think if you're in a data poor situation, where there's no data, potentially in the startup, um, very innovative, or maybe doing a one-off piece of work, like you say, you know, a, a, an investment appraisal or a quick model, um, or, or even a complex model, okay, then Excel is probably sat right in front of you. It's easy to implement, and you know, you could you could use it straight away. Anything past that. So if we're looking to build out, you know, larger data sets, better data visualization, you know, have collaboration tools, have, um, you know, clear audit trail, you know, give it out to multiple users in terms of self-service, then it's an analytical world. You know, the, the fundamental principles around analytics are sort of self-service and data democratization. And yeah, we're talking about rich data. So I think, where I can agree is that there is a strong use case for modeling, but I think anything else, we need to be thinking analytics. Yeah, I mean, where, 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 would, you, where would you consider a transaction model where you're buying, a, a, um, where you're building and constructing roads? I mean, that's probably not really in the FPNA space anyway, but I guess the, the topic is not just finance, but broader than that. But um, I mean, you wouldn't really see analytics being used on transactions when buying a company. If I was wanted to sell Vodafone, um, and and you know, or there was a buyer to buy it, um, you know, where would I do that analysis on that buyout? Things like that. I mean, it's not just you know, it's not just for the you know, um, you know, where you don't have the data. You might actually have a lot of data on Vodafone on its financial projections and all the history. But you're not going to build an analytics tool to work out whether you're going to buy and take over Vodafone. You're going to so build an Excel model to work out is is Vodafone acquisitive? Um, does the share price comparative to the industry? You know, and are there synergistic benefits on on merger? Um, so, would you say that's a data rich exercise? Well, there's certainly lots of data. You could get lots of data on Vodafone. Um, you may not be able to get all the data deep data because it's probably confidential but you certainly could get a lot of data from prior periods from bloomberg and reuters and you know i guess your definition of data rich is probably the you know where i'm you know i'm not quite sure so you know rich being how big you know terabytes of data probably not yeah you know, a few megs yes <laughs> yeah 
is that so i i think you know i agree with you there that if you've got a i would class that as data poor because it's either it, you may have a lot of data but it's fragmented um it's probably going to be uh, a narrative as much as numeric and you know you're going to want to consolidate that into a tool and you know yeah you're you would probably use excel if you had a um a data set that could then be used to create more data you know by using machine learning methods because that's obviously possible when you have a certain size of data and i'm talking you know this is you're talking about investment transactions i'm talking about business transactions so i could be looking at two years worth of you know uh sales on three million contracts yeah so I think potentially we're talking about two very different things. Um, so if you're going to, you know, say yes, financial modeling, do it in Excel, then absolutely go for it. But I'm never going to say that around analytics um, for those two fundamental reasons, really. We've got, you know, an analytical world coming because of a huge amount of data that's available to us. And if, if finance people, and people under the CFO think Excel first, then we're going to become less and less relevant. Now, if you're in an M&A team or if you're in financial services and you're doing modeling as a sort of day job, then yeah, absolutely, there's a strong use case for Excel. But you've got to, you know, to come back to probably the early point, you've got to cover the limitations. Um, and there are some companies out there who are creating great add-ons and who are trying to sort of put database integrity around spreadsheets, which will actually, you know, help people um, sort of reinforce the, the core Excel tool. So, so is it fair to say at the yeah. moment, chaps, that they, like Excel could potentially be holding back the ability for finance teams to remain relevant and progress the analytics conversation or is it a case of we're just not making the full use of the plutonium the explosive uh, nature of excel that we're sitting on or is it just a bit of both i'd say a bit of both i mean i i, I, take, I take chris's point I, I do think that finance um uh, sitting you know on a lot of uh, potential um and and you know they should really be enhancing and, and using the data better and sometimes that's just not possible in excel but but um i think there's also skills to be developed in the modeling space which do rely on excel so i think it's i think it's a bit of both but i think the key is horses for courses chris i think we we uh, might have coined that phrase a couple of times in the past and and i think it's 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 really understanding the purpose of the tool it's not just about the tool but it's actually what do you want to achieve and what best fits into that goal and I think, um, you know, I agree with you. People naturally pull the Excel lever because it's the easiest, it's the cheapest, it's the quickest, it's the most ubiquitous. That's right. But that's not necessarily the right answer. I, I, I feel that we're almost coming to an agreement here. So you, I think Andrew's question is great. You know, it's about people as much as it is about the tool. And I think, you know, if people have a tendency to go to Excel all the time, um, for the wrong reasons, then they're never going to exploit this future that I firmly believe in, you know, around analytics and self-service and 
wonderful data visualization and more than that, you know, lean processes and robotics and all the rest of it. Um, if, if Excel and, and PowerPoint is the go-to in finance, then they're ignoring all of that wonderful future. And, and let's face it, a better job for them as well, because, you know, 80% of their time at the moment is stuck in spreadsheets rather than doing the insight and working with the business, which is the fun bit. Um, and in terms of Excel, I think if you can sort of, you know, there's a, there are a few companies out there that I've met recently who have really impressed me because they've sort of gone the opposite way to a lot of the companies that are trying to sort of sell an alternative to Excel. They've said, let's stick with Excel, but let's put a database on the back of it or let's, um, you know, let's track the key um, uh, the, the changes, key, the key changes. Thanks. Mm. On, um, I've seen some on, of them. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah, and, and then that gives you an audit trail. And obviously, if you're doing an investment um, uh, forecast for a, on a spreadsheet, people are going to be auditing that stuff. So you want that to be on your, um, you know, want that to be automated. So I and and also moving to the cloud. You know, moving all your spreadsheets to the cloud actually helps. You know, in a step. So I think there are ways that you can really bolster um, Excel, you know, but, but, we, but we can't ignore everything else that's going on out there if you're a finance person. And that comes back to people. I suppose that's fair to say, Chris, but like, I think it's balancing the people skills versus the impact they can make on the business. So, so let's say, look, we've got these powerful tools, Excel and, and analytics methods outside of Excel that can formulate fantastic insights then i think that's probably when the people bit kick in is when it comes to influencing getting out from behind the desks uh, going out understanding what the business needs are having the skills to go execute on that to make the relevant impact so are we sort of moving into position that excel perhaps could be dead in some areas or maybe holding us back in some ways like analytics yes maybe moving forward, it's got a big role to play in modeling, particularly towards the higher value um, influencing we can do by providing prescriptive advice to the businesses. This is what might happen if you don't do this or, or, or answering what if questions or pointing out the implications of various courses of action. Uh, in our lads, maybe over to you, what do you think? Is that, is that sort of a fair assessment of where we're coming on this debate? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think, I think that every finance function of a certain size should have, you know, this goal of getting up from their desk, working with the business and everything you do is about value first, you know, finance, essentially, whether you're, you know, working in spreadsheets or another, you're a cost center. And if you're a cost center, people are always going to question your value. And there's a huge amount of value to come from all of these tools, but people's behavior has got to change. You know, we've got to start thinking, um, how do I understand the business? What sort of decisions do they need to make? And then how can I support that with the data that's available to me? And I would love, you know, to work with Lance because I think every CFO um, should have a team of people uh, from a data perspective, an Excel ninja, an absolute guru like Lance. Okay, they should have data visualization guys who really understand how to do the story. Like Chris. 
Oh, we've got a bit of a dream team uh, coming along here, do we? Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> don't talk to my team about my skills. I'm, I'm more of an evangelist. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, I, you know, I, you know what it looks and feels yeah, like, which is important. I definitely know what best practice is. Um, and then, you know, a data scientist who can get in behind the data, the volumes of data, understand the machine learning piece, and then also, you know, have other skills out there that are more IT focused, but you're never going to move up to sort of chatbots and exception reporting if you don't have that sort of skill set. And don't think of these guys as IT. They are core to your finance function. Okay. The IT guys are there to set up the backbone, you know, if you like to install the Excel to give you the laptop. That's it. It's up to the finance team to bring in this new talent and to, to get trained up by, you know, smart people and show them the way forward. And then people's mindsets will change. I mean, I would just wanted to jump onto the closing remarks. I think sort of that part of the debate. So look, Lance, I mean, what do you think? Do you think is, is Excel dead? Um, well, I, I think for Excel for analytics is dead. You know, I honestly think I've seen, I've seen, I've managed a team of, you know, um, over 20 staff. I watched their month-end process. Um, there was a lot of copying and pasting. Um, but I think that's not, you know, it, it, it's across the board. You know, you know, they, they know, they're no different to any other finance function around the world, actually, um, that, that, that are still using Excel for analytics. And, and, and I just don't think that's the best use of their time. Um, absolutely, they need to get off their desk. They need, need to know how to use other tools. Um, but the organization's also got to help them. And I think that's the part that's really missing in all of this. So, yes, it's the people, but I think it's also the leadership. And I think the leadership have to support their people to transition and, 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 and tell them and give them guidelines as to what they should and shouldn't be doing. I had a conversation with one executive that, that then they need to all learn Python and R coding um, and forget Excel altogether. And I think that's a bit extreme. So I think, um, I think Excel for analytics is dead um, or dying, should I say, dying. because, uh, you know, I think there's aspects that, that, that for big data, I still think you have your power pivot, power query, and, and you've got other things for, for, for smaller data. And it's, that's still very much alive. But I think if you're talking the sort of analytics that Chris is talking about, where you have, you know, millions of contracts, you know, over, over a very long period of time, you know, you know, you're just not going to be able to get the value out of Excel for that data. And I think that's, that's important. So people should not just automatically jump to Excel when there's a whole lot of data. They should think about it really carefully to say, what is the goal? What am I going to achieve? And do I have the support of the leadership to get where I need to go? Because if I don't have the support of the leadership, then I'm stuck with Excel. And that's what happens nine times out of 10. They say, oh, we don't have the budget for that. Just do that in Excel because Excel's cheap. But, you know, what's cheap in the short term is expensive in the long term. And I think that's, you know, a, a key part of um, the conversation. So, yeah, I think we've come to some sort of uh, middle ground there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, well chaps, look, I, I think our time's up. I really appreciate uh, Chris, Lance, both of you investing your time in this conversation. And this debate actually is Excel dead. So it seems a case of, yeah, Excel is perhaps dying in some areas of finance, particularly around analytics, but it's got a big part to play in our future, particularly around modeling and getting the message across and the insights across to the business. So Lance, Chris, thanks again for investing your time in the show and 
sharing some thoughts and advice with us that'll help us have more fun, rewarding and successful careers in finance and accounting. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, Lance. Fantastic. Very fair fight. Very fair fight. Thanks. Thanks, mate. <laughs> good one. Good one.